Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody today. Today we're going to be wrapping our series on 10 degrees hotter. And we've had several different topics that we've been dealing with that are to help us to incrementally grow in our faith. Today the topic I've chosen is compassion. And I also am very aware that today is Super Bowl Sunday. And as far as I could think of, I could only come up with four Patriot fans in our church. I'm not, I'm not going to take a poll. I'm talking about four people that root for them all year long, like Brittany and Randy and Jay and Aaron. And so what I want to make sure that I do is practice my compassion and what I speak with the results of the game tonight for those four. Would you help us with that? Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, I chose this topic for a few different reasons. First of all, it's because I believe that Christians should be compassionate. Secondly, it's because the world is so different. And not because necessarily that it's worse than it's ever been. But I think there's this unique intense access that we have to people's pain and suffering and their opinions and their anger and their violence all afforded to us through social media tv and internet the third reason i chose this topic is because christians should be compassionate no matter the debate no matter the conflict there's no excuse for us it's been bad in the past. It could get worse for the future. And so what are we going to do? I want to give a disclaimer that there is no way I'm going to be able to talk about all the different things about compassion in this lesson. But if we can just grab a few things to help us to grow in this area, that can't be a bad thing. I'm going to be dealing with Mark chapter 6, if you want to turn there. But before I read the passage, I want to give a little background leading up to this. First of all, Jesus and his disciples, they're known as traveling teachers, but way more than that. They are helpers and they're healers. And they had become quite an attraction because of that. And the word was spreading everywhere. You look further in the chapter and there's a point where Jesus decides to have them split up in pairs and go into the different villages. And he empowers them to teach and to heal and to cast out demons. But he gives them some very unique advice. He says if you are not received or if they have no interest in what you're doing, he said make sure that you shake off the dust off the soles of your feet and move on. Later, the disciples all regather and they're telling of all the different things that were going on in the day. And Jesus specifically says by looking at them and hearing what they've gone through, that they need to find a secluded place. They need a break from the crowd. They need a break from all the needs of the people. And so they get on a boat and they go off to be alone. And that's where we pick up in verse 33 of Mark chapter 6. It says there, the people saw them going and many recognized them. And that's because they were an attraction and ran there together on foot from all the cities. This was their form of social media. It was called Footbook. 
That was bad. <laughs> but you left. <clears throat> and they got there ahead of them. So either they're fast runners or the disciples are slow rowers. But when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd. We have a little idea what large is by reading later in the chapter. It says that there were 5,000 men gathered. And from what's said in, in Matthew and what scholars look at this, they say with women and children, this crowd could have been 10,000 plus gathered together. How in the world does that define a secluded place? How is that a break and a rest from the crowd? I started to think about the crowd. And I'm sure like most crowds, every concern was represented. I'm sure there were people in that crowd who you would melt over. And there would be people that you would dislike. There would be the hopeless there who were hoping. There would be the hurting there who would, who would be wanting to be healed. And of course, the word was out about Jesus' health care plan where there was no premiums, they welcomed pre-existing conditions, and you wouldn't need to keep your doctor, you could fire your doctor. But there was all kinds represented there, thrill-seekers, skeptics, rich, poor, humble, haters, oppressed, abused, discriminated against, marginalized, privileged, and even the religious who sought to find fault. Everything seen in crowds today. But Jesus didn't row back out. He didn't look for a new shore. He got off the boat. Look at the next part of the passage. And he felt compassion for them. Because they were like a sheep. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And though he's moved by their needs, the compassion seems to be because they had no shepherd. He doesn't say they're missing a leader or a ruler or a politician. They didn't have a shepherd. Shepherds known for caring, for being patient, for giving guidance and protection. It's what the people need. And then he goes on to say, and he began to teach them many things. We might think, what did he say? Well, we do know. We have a great idea of what he said. It's all captured throughout the Gospels. He taught simple things, profound things. He taught parables, which the best of minds today still gaze upon. He talked about God. He talked about us. He talked about wisdom and encouragement and direction and truth. After a long day, then he proceeds to feed the people. In other words, compassion is on full display in this passage. He engaged, he informed, and he assisted. Now today, we see a lot of crowds on the TV, on the internet. The masses are full of stories. They're full of pain. They're full of anger. I keep hearing the word isn't it crazy? And I don't think that's people dismissing the crowd. I think it's them just trying to process all the gatherings. Some far away, some very close to home. In fact, some like they're in our lap or on our desks. That crowd of Facebook, which includes our 
families and our friends and we're watching them implode. And being honest with you, my heart and my head have been in such a tug of war of how to respond. I don't want to believe that I don't care. And I don't want to think of myself as ignorant or having all the answers. You want to row away to a secluded place and get away from that. Anybody else feel that way? You know what I'm talking about? I want to share first a few things about compassion. Just some observations. The experts say this. It's a feeling of deep sympathy or sorrow for another stricken with misfortune. Accompanied by strong desire to alleviate suffering. So I see two components there. I see the engage and engage now. I see climb in their shoes. I, I hear from this to wrap my mind and my heart around the things they're thinking and the things that they're feeling. I also see the second thing, a strong desire to alleviate pain. In other words, questions to ask myself is why are they there where they are? And maybe why are they here with me right now. How in the world do we help? How in the world do we get help for them? And so this desire here isn't idle. It's very busy to gather information and to figure out a plan and to act upon it. If you skip the first part of the definition, you most likely will be of no help. Compassion has evidence. Other translations say that Jesus was moved it often includes things like tears and touch and time. But it always seems to leave a trail to that person or taking that person somewhere for help. But it's more than emotion. It's a force. It works like a defensive force at times for needs to be able to fall against or crash against. Or for someone to be able to be very open and honest and raw and feel like when they've done that, that they're still held up. Compassionate people seem to advertise through their spirit or through their actions that people trust that they can unload upon them. And then it's like an offensive force where it mobilizes for relief or for repair or restoration. It's an advocate that's preparing and representing action forward on that victim's behalf. Healthy compassion seeks justice, but understands that there's more to repair than injustice. And I'm going to say that again. Healthy compassion seeks justice, but understands that there's more to repair than injustice. It seeks to preserve the victim from the unhealthy collateral damage, such as unforgiveness or bitterness, or vengeance, or even violence. I know that in counseling, I feel that it is a duty of mine with that person who's hurt and struggling to do anything we can to defeat, figure out how can we defeat the villain? How can we help them with that? But also I feel a duty to try to do anything I can to preserve the victim from embracing victimhood 
It's so important. Never confuse healthy compassion as a weak or wimpy emotion. It rescues at its own risk. It can bend with resilient flexibility. It waits long periods of time at great costs to itself. It's not proud. I'm not too proud to weep, nor cold to look away, nor shallow when it should try to pursue understanding. I think all of us are grateful for compassionate people in our life. We have felt those kinds of forces at different times in our life. And you'd think with the need that there is for compassion, you'd think that none of us would ever lack being compassionate. But we have some opponents that work against a compassionate heart. And I just want to share a few of them. They're nasty. They're clever. The first are those emotional opponents that can distract or distort our tenderness. And we have to be very, very careful with these. First of all is tears. Tears can be tricky, but they don't define that we need to jump on the cause. We've raised four kids, and we used Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 18 out of the King James Version that says this, Chasten your son while there is hope. Do not spare for his crying. <laughs> we like that verse. Our kids weren't too happy about that. Kids have a way of moving you off of what is needed. You know, some people use sadness and tears to kind of steer through life, to get things and maybe to remove things. And there's people who cry to God about everything. And I've been there. I've been such a crybaby with God at times. And sometimes I've learned that his silence was him not letting my tears direct the way. For me to toughen up and to look at the situation differently. So if you don't pounce on helping somebody at that moment, do make sure you point. And I'm not talking about point them to the door. <laughs> I'm talking about pointing them to a path that you get on yourself and assist them to participate in the process. Now, I don't think that's easy. In fact, it's hard. In fact, the more compassionate you are and tender you are, it's hard when people are crying. So, but what happens is you'll disappoint at times. But if you give in to everything, you'll find that there'll be some great disappointment that will come for them. And then another emotional opponent is bitterness. It's a nasty emotion. It's a poison. It's like a cancer. It destroys everything in its path. Don't jump on the bitter bandwagon. Because it's not a healthy ride for anyone. See, bitterness doesn't seek justice. It seeks revenge. And it's never satisfying. But the truth is, People who are embittered because of injustices, whether they're real or perceived, they still need help. And we need to respond to that. I was trying to think of an example of a way to illustrate what that might look like. And I thought of a padded cell. A padded cell is a place to give you some time and space to beat your head against the wall and not injure yourself. And to have some form of release. I'm going to tell you a story, a long story, in a very short way. 
13 years ago, I was told that my contract would not be renewed and that it was because of money. But I took that very personal. I had people who offered to help me fight. And I said no, even though I was hurt and I was angry. And around that time, we started to attend here at Grace. And I learned some very important things for my walk. I learned in that time that we did need compassion's force to fall upon. I also learned that we needed compassion's force to move us on. We didn't need bitterness. And people here, a few of you, were like a padded cell to us. He gave us some space and time. And it was like a broken record there where I would cry, be frustrated and angry. But in that padded cell, you gave me the space and the time and you gave me gentle truths that kept pointing me to God. And you kept me off the bitterness bandwagon. And you helped me through that time. You helped me to sort, which was so important. You helped me to sort that everything that had happened wasn't necessarily unjust. And that God was moving in my life. I'm so grateful for that. The crowd that specifically helped my family was the choir and the music department. Kind of hid in there for a couple years and what a blessing that was to my family and to my kids and we're forever grateful. But I determined through that two year period, I determined that I wanted to be a force like that to have people crash against, but also to help them to know how to move forward and not be defined or characterized or further injured by bitterness. Today, I know we all see a lot of hysterical, hateful energy that's spent appearing to care for victims, but I sense those victims have been hijacked for vengeance. Healthy compassion guides the wounded to healing, never with hate or revenge. Because see, if you get revenge, how has that left you? But padded cells are not always enough. Victims need to see us move on their behalf as well. Now, Jesus taught the crowds revolutionary truth. One of the things he taught was to love your enemies, and that is not a wimpy thing. But he taught them it's a path to never letting your enemies own you or further damage you. Jesus' followers were victims of great persecution. And the power of their growth, the spread of the church, was not because of revenge or hate or self-pity. In fact, many, it was an honor to suffer for Christ. But Jesus, even, on, even when he died, he'd uttered the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What an example that's left for us. So when we care for victims, 
Don't promote victimhood as compassion. Our country right now is needing a little help with this. It needs some compassionate force to speak loud and to speak long on behalf of all the injustices that are going on. That is true, but not with hate and not with violence. So however you participate, do so in a matter that doesn't add pain, but is a force for repair. Another emotion is apathy, which basically means no emotion. Some people in here, you haven't cried in years. Well, you say, well, I'm not the crying type. But you also haven't moved on anyone's behalf in the longest times. You've been busy constructing a shell around you full of all your interests, all your appetites. And you're so impressed with all your selective generosities that you don't really care for anyone on the outside. I I couldn't help but think of this office quote as a motto. Failing to plan on your part doesn't constitute an emergency on my part. Have some of you used that in your your offices? (laughs) We do. I hope nobody does tomorrow based on this sermon. Hope it's not the only thing you remember. But there's other opponents such as materialism. Some are captured by their pursuit of their own comfort. Some, it's tribal opponents. You're captured by your people, your family, your peers, your cliques, your denominations, your political parties. And anyone that's on the outside, you can ignore them, you can have no feelings for their humanity, and you can even justify being cruel to them if they disagree with you. And then ignorance. There's people that hate ignorant people. Whether it's just that they're slow or whether it is by their own will to be that way. Some people have no compassion for anyone who may be ignorant about something. They feel they don't deserve it. So we could go on and on. Compassion has a lot of opponents. They're clever. They're after our hearts. And there's not one of us in this room who isn't exempt from these Things. I want to talk to the young people for a moment, our young millennials. There's so much that's said about the millennials and their weaknesses. I want to say a few things here. You have energy. You have brilliance. You have a lot of talent. And you have access to information and solutions more than any other generation ever. So may I plea with you to avoid or escape this force of victimhood? Could you grasp the force that's behind a healthy compassion and let that force be with you? Amen? And ask yourself what every generation has to ask themselves. Will I care? Will I make a difference? God, do you want me to be a shepherd to my generation. Begin with Jesus. His responses, his nuances to injustice and pain and how it set people free and lessened injustice. Jesus' influence had this effect. You can be better without it being fairer. You can be better without it being fairer because We can be better through the process of pain and struggle 
and strife. That's where it's is born often. So engage, young people. Be brave. Be tender. And don't give in to the hysteria. To the elderly. So who's that? <laughs> okay. I'll say us. <laughs> Our. <laughs> Our trials. Our lessons learned in life. We should be tender by now. And guess what? We don't have much time. <laughs> I was thinking about Scrooge. We love that Christmas carol story. Where a spirit takes him back. And then has him look at his present decisions. And then takes him to the future. So he can see the result of all the choices he's made. To be selfish and cold. And though we know the end of that story... And we love the end of that story. Somehow we're just so intrigued with what it looks like to have some self-centered old buzzard change. <laughs> now I do want to say, working with many elderly in our church, that there's a lot of you, you've retired, and now you're using your time to give and to serve and to pray and church may not look like it was when, it, when you did church as a young person, but you are praying and caring and serving here with your hearts. And then all of you in between. As you build life, cultivate compassion. Teach your children to care and to give. Better, take them with you as you care and give. Now I want to go give you a couple things to help us cultivate compassion in our life. First of all, be engaged, not enraged. Jesus engaged this crowd, and what that meant was to get off the boat, step onto the shore, and to hear their stories. Engaging, to me, involves positioning yourself, positioning yourself to make yourself available, but not just saying, hey, call me if you need some. It is knowing where the needs are and getting in position to be a difference. It also involves attentiveness, which starts with looking with more than just your eyes, but also with your brain. While you're listening, lock on to that person with your eyes and start to hear their pain and their story and, before, and, and respond to that before you just start working some kind of wordy response to them. Care first. Engage with position and attentiveness. You know, Jesus hung around with the worst in society, and it wasn't because he condoned what they did. Somehow they could connect with him because he cared. And secondly, be informed, not inflamed. Some of you here, you're very well informed about pain because you have lived that. I think about our compassion ministry here that meets once a month, the third Thursday of the month, and it's led by Kent and Donna, who both have cancer. And instead of getting bitter at God, they've taken that pain and have decided to use it as ministry to give their experiences, give their information. They have even special speakers that come in and share information on how to deal with the struggle. That also, we have widows and widowers in there. They've lost their mates already, but they come also to contribute. I think of Celebrate Recovery as well. The people in that ministry also sharing their experiences 
to give help to people going through things. But many of us, honestly, we don't know everything, what people are going through. We've not been in those shoes. So may we judge less. May we get more information. May we turn our listening into research and research from both sides. May we research in such a way that we're able to have respectful conversations and that we just don't pass little memes which often cause people to be inflamed and still uninformed. I'm sure you've seen things on Facebook. And I have a picture for you. You can go ahead and show the picture. I have a picture for you because sometimes when Christians hear things that are said bad about their faith or said bad about their Lord, it's like these kind of pictures that get passed. You know, if Peter had the internet back then, Peter would have sent stuff like this. Because you remember when Jesus was taken, Peter said, oh, no, you don't. He got out his meme. It was a sword. And he cut the guard's ears off. Remember, know what I'm talking about? And Jesus says something to him that's so horrific. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are not acting like me. And then he went and he healed that guard's ear, put it back on. <laughs> and so I show that because that kind of stuff I watch Christians do. You're mad, you're mad at stuff that's being said. And we just have to, we feel like we got to pass something like that. Work to help people understand. Don't work to win arguments alone. Change your whole preparation. Because the world needs some specific, credible information about the shepherd that comes from us as shepherds who care and have guidance for their lives. And thirdly, be assistance, not resistance. Further in Mark chapter 6, the disciples point out that everybody is tired. They've been there all day. They haven't eaten. And they only have five loaves and two, two fishes. And they say... Let's send the people down to the village. They can get food there. But Jesus takes what they have and he multiplies it. And of course, a miracle has occurred. I've learned that compassion in action isn't always about the supply. It's about the distribution. The lesson taught here is use what you have and assist in distributing it. Distribution is often prevented by the resistance of hearts. And whether that is greed or corruption or apathy, people block it. People clog it, not God. We've all witnessed the sudden appearance and the flow of supply when compassionate people get involved and, and start dealing with a matter. I think we've all seen it. And a lot of times people go, whoa, a miracle has happened today. Not really. Just caring hearts. The 5,000 had to look, or 5,000 plus, had to look impossible. But Jesus could have just popped Happy Meals in everyone's lap that day. He could have done that. But what he did, if you read it later in the chapter, he has the disciples divide everyone up in groups of 150, and he has them participate in the distribution. And the comment at the end of the story is that there was leftovers, which drives home more of the point that there is enough. That crowd, by the way, would hunger again. They would hurt and struggle again. Yet on that day, they left full of love, full of help, and full of truth. 
So be assistance, not resistance. Get more in the flow than in the fight. Some are blessed with wealth, some here power, but we all have hands, we all have hearts to touch the world in some way. Some are blessed more with debate skills, but make sure with that that you have exercised your heart with appropriate compassion. Have you ever noticed, by the way, when you get into arguments like on Facebook or back and forth, have you ever noticed that it just seems to go on forever? And have you ever had anyone said, you know what, you're right, I changed my opinion. <laughs> but there's tons of awesome people working out there, right out in the trenches, doing all that while we talk. There's so much being said today, too, about Christians who don't care about the poor or the refugees. And the truth is, we could do more. But wherever there's pain on the world, in the world, there are always faith-based organizations right there on the ground. Our founding fathers, they built in a voice for the people to be able to speak to power. It is the right to assemble and to assemble peacefully in protest. And we may not agree with why people do that, but I asked myself and I ask you, is our heart in a place where we could engage and have conversations about the pain that people are going through, even if we disagree, and somehow make a difference for them? God's throne is a place to come boldly with your complaint, with your hurt and your pain, to, hear, to share your voice. And he says that he will give us grace. He doesn't say that he'll always we'll have our way or that we'll get what we want. He says, you will receive grace. So if God is approachable, can't I be? Christians, true compassion is going to cost you. Having compassion for those that are different than you, that disagree with you, that oppose you, will be some crazy, uncomfortable stuff. It's costly to our comfort. But we are called to pay a price as Jesus paid the ultimate price for loving us and gave his life. So let's get off the boat. Let's get on the shore. Let's be guilty of being moved. And let's engage. And let's inform. And let's assist. Because we have hearts. We have the gospel. And we have hands. I'm going to close with this scripture and a quote. The scripture is Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. And we lose heart because it's hard. It's hard to hold people up. Some of you in here, you're about ready to pop. You've got your burdens and you're carrying other people's burdens. Verse 10 says, so then, while we have opportunity or time, let us do good to all people. And that doesn't mean all at once. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now I'll explain a little further on that with a quote from Andy Stanley. He says this. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Now often what happens when we process that is we start thinking about that. And we, what we got to avoid is saying, don't do for anyone what you 
can't do for everyone. From this, just choose one person, one family, one group, one ministry. He goes on to say things like, go deep rather than wide, and to go long rather than short, and to go with time rather than just money. And if everyone takes something like that on, you will have a lot of burdens lifted and a lot of lives will be changed. It changes the problem from what in the world to which one. In this crowd today, many hurt. Some of you, that's why you're here. There's been an attraction of things that go on here. And you come, sometimes because of emptiness, sometimes because of pain, sometimes you're bitter, you're struggling, you're saying, God, where in the world? And that's why Paul is saying here, engage the household of faith. It's a priority, but it's not exclusive for caring for others. It's like this. Compassion starts here, but spreads there. So don't stay in the boat and throw rocks on the shore. Engage. If you've been mistreated in your process of caring, shake off the dust. In fact, that dust is actually good because that's proof you're on the path of caring. Don't lose heart. Be a shepherd to your crowd. Let's go deeper in our compassion. I want to close with this verse out of Romans. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Lord, you're good. We trust you. We trust things you've said in your word, and we are blessed to have your example. And Father, I do know from talking to many and what I've experienced in my own life, it's getting hard. Hard to know how to care. Hard to process things that just rub us so wrong. And Father, this is a very caring church. I'm grateful to be here. I pray, Father, that we would have our hearts stirred and that we would, with our minds, challenge ourselves to evaluate our compassion and go even deeper, not give up, not check out. May we show the real Jesus. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks so much for coming.